the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Joshua. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. If you are more interested in fitting in and being accepted and being liked by people, you will never wholly follow the Lord. If you're more concerned about fitting in and being liked by people, then you will never wholly be able to follow the Lord. There's this different thing about Caleb. He was unlike just the average person. Do you care about what other people think about you? Do you want to be liked? Well, of course you do. Don't we all? It's hard to shake the need to be liked. In his message today, Pastor Gary will ask you if your need to be liked is more important than your need to follow God. God has made you holy, set apart. That means you are different from people in the world around you. It doesn't mean you have to alienate yourself from the world, but hopefully people say, that person is different. I want to know why. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Joshua, chapter 14, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. One of the people that he chooses among the 12 spies is Caleb. He is of the tribe of Judah. His name in Hebrew, Kalev, means dog. So, I, you know, he must have been fierce, okay? He's a fierce fighter, as we will see here. I mean, the guy's 85, and he says, I'm still strong enough for war. So you know he's, you know, he's got that tenacity of like a dog, all right? So that's his name, Kalev, dog. And it tells us that his father's name was Jephunneh, there in verse 6, the Kenizzite. Now, this is interesting because in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 15 and verse 19, the Bible tells us that the Kenizzites were part of the tribal people who lived in the land of Canaan among the Canaanites, meaning that the Kenizzites were not Jews. The Kenizzites were pagan Gentile people. And that Caleb has descended, at least on his father's side, from the Kenizzites. So Bible scholars believe that at some point the Kenizzites became proselytes to Judaism. Uh, And it's a debate as to when that actually happened. This much we do know. Caleb was a slave in Egypt. So he had to have been numbered among the Hebrews when he lived in Egypt. So at some point prior to that, and Bible scholars think that, what happened was when the initial group 
of Hebrew people, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, went to Egypt initially to escape a famine in the land of Israel, that the Kenizzites, perhaps also living there in the land of Israel, in the land of Canaan, went with that initial group of Hebrew people to escape the same famine, to go down to Egypt, where the Egyptians had a stockpile of resources, thanks in part to Joseph, one of the sons of Jacob. And so that at some point, the Kenizzites then intermarry and become proselytes among the Hebrew people. And what scholars believe is that Caleb's mother was probably among those of the tribe of Judah, that she was Jewish, and that clearly his father was a Kenizzite, and he was not Jewish. But he becomes a proselyte to Judaism because we see Caleb here is a part of the tribe of Judah. But again, more likely through his mother's lineage. Did you know that today, if you want to understand if you are actually Jewish, you trace your Jewish genealogy through your mother, not your father? It is traced through the mother because, in part, dads would die in war. And then it would be sometimes hard to distinguish what tribe do you belong to. So it was always distinguished through the mother today to determine what tribe one belongs to. Now, among the Jews today, because of the diaspora, the dispersion, because of the Holocaust, most Jews today don't know to which tribe they belong, with the exception of the If you are a Jewish person with the last name Cohen or Levi, then it is probably likely that you belong to the tribe of Levite and that the name was preserved because Cohen means priest and that was part of the the Levitical line. Uh, But other than that, most Jews today don't know what tribe they belong to. Now, at some point in the future, um, the Jews do begin to understand uh, how it happens. We don't know. But when you read the book of Revelation that we studied just a few months ago, there are 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel that make up the 144,000 who are part of the witnesses that God uses. So at some point, again, the Jews will understand their tribal lineage. But presently, Jews today uh, rarely will be able to tell you what tribe they belong to. Caleb here is unique in the sense that his dad was a descendant among Gentile pagans, somehow became proselytes to Judaism, his mom likely of the tribe of Judah, and here Caleb is now uh, wonderfully incorporated into uh, Judaism. But he was a slave in Egypt with the Hebrew slaves, and he is one who comes out of slavery with the rest of the Hebrews when they were delivered out of slavery in Egypt, And the Bible tells us by Caleb's own testimony here, he was 40 years old when Moses tapped him on the shoulder to be a spy from the tribe of Judah to go into the promised land. And now it is 45 years later. So we can do a little math here and realize what happens is he's 40 when he comes out of Egypt because that's when he's a spy. He spends 40 more years wandering with the Hebrew people until an entire generation dies, except for himself and Joshua, who will go into the promised land. So he's 40 when he comes out. He's 40 more years in the Sinai, in the wilderness wanderings, and now he's 85, which means that the fighting we've been reading about in the first 13 chapters of Joshua covers about five years. He's 40 when he comes out, another 40 wandering in the wilderness, five more years of fighting, and so now he's 85. 
and he's ready to cash in his retirement plan. And he says to Joshua, I want you to select for me the land that I'm entitled to. And so he gets here Hebron. Now, uh, it's mentioned there in verse 13. And so Joshua blessed him, said, yes, you're right. Um, Moses promised this to you because the Lord said, uh, you are faithful, and so you get Hebron. Now, um, again, today Hebron is part of the Palestinian area in the, the West Bank. But Hebron has significant Jewish roots. As I mentioned at the top of the Bible study, when God led Abraham out of the Ur of Chaldees, out of Iraq, to the Promised Land, the first place that Abraham settles is Hebron. In fact, it will also be the place where Abraham is buried. Abraham and his wife, Sarah. Uh, Their son, Isaac, and his wife, Rebekah, are buried also in Hebron, as are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob's wife, Leah. They're all buried in Hebron there. There is a tomb today, the tomb of the patriarchs, um, and it is supposedly the tomb where they are buried, but it, it is not clearly known whether or not uh, that's reliable. But we do know from Scripture that Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Leah are buried there in Hebron. So it, it almost seems as if Caleb, um, you know, being this sort of proselyte to Judaism, Abraham himself was not a Jew. The Jewish race came from his seed. Caleb is like, you know, finding this similarity with, I want the land that our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob settled in and are buried in. This is where my foot has walked. This is where I want to lay claim. And so this is where he ends up living. Uh, By the way, about 400 years after uh, Caleb comes David. And King David will spend the first seven and a half years of his reign reigning from Hebron because Jerusalem is not yet taken from the Jebusites, as we'll see at the end of of, uh, chapter 15. So let me keep reading into chapter 15. So this was the lot of the tribe of the children of Judah according to their families. And this is where we get into some lengthy stuff here. I'll only read a little bit of this. The border of Edom at the wilderness of Zin southward was the extreme southern boundary. And their southern border began at the shore of the Salt Sea, that's the Dead Sea, from the bay that faces southward. Then it went out to the southern side of the ascent of Akrabim, passed along to Zin, ascended on the north side of Kadesh Barnea, passed along to Hezron, went up to Adar, and went around to Karka. From there it passed toward Asmon, and went out to the brook of Egypt, and the border ended at the sea. That's the Mediterranean. This shall be your southern border. The east border was the Salt Sea as far as the mouth of the Jordan. Okay, so Joshua keeps describing here the border the, and all of these names that I'm going to butcher, so I'm going to spare you from all of that. And then you can just jump to verse 12, where it says, The west border was the coastline of the Great Sea. That's the Mediterranean. And this is the boundary of the children of Judah all around according to their families. Now, verse 13. Now to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. So we're not done with Caleb here yet. He gave a share among the children of Judah according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua. Namely, 
Kirjath Arba, which is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak. Remember, the Anakim was this race of giants. Uh, and Kiriath means uh, city. So it was originally, it was actually originally called Hebron. And then at some point it was renamed Kiriath Arba after this giant Arba. And then it's going to be named Hebron again. And it says in verse 14, Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there. So these are part of the giant race. Now just picture this. Caleb is 85 years old. All right? But he still has the strength of a young man, and he's going to whip giants here. Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. And then he went up from there to the inhabitants of Debir. Formerly, the name of Debir was Kiryath Sefer. And notice this. And Caleb said, he who attacks Kiryath Sefer and takes it to him, I will give Achsa, my daughter, as wife. Now, listen, he just, he just whipped a few giants, okay? He could take this city, but he puts out a challenge. He's like, because he's courageous and bold, he wants other people to be courageous and bold. He's like, I'm 85. I just whipped three giants. Who wants my daughter for marriage? You take the next city. (laughs) That's what he does here. So Othniel, verse 17, the son of Canaz, the brother of Caleb, took it. And he gave him Aksa, his daughter, as wife. Now, did you sort through the little family tree right there? This is Caleb's brother's son. So this is Caleb's nephew. And Caleb gives his daughter to his nephew. Kissing cousins. That's what they are. So. Verse 18. Now it was so that when she came to him, that she persuaded him to ask her father for a field. Look, they're barely married, and she's like, buy me something. All right. (laughs) Go ask my dad. Buy me a field. But listen, she herself, she's got some chutzpah, because look, so she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, what do you wish? And she answered, so now now look, before I read what she answered, she says to her husband, go ask dad for a field. I'm going to ask him, and here's what she asks for. Give me a blessing, since you have given me land in the south, give me also springs of water. So he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. So I just love this, you know, around Caleb, it's just this sense of like, he's bold and he's courageous. He wants people around him to be bold and courageous. Who wants to take Kyrios affair? Othniel, okay, I'll give you my daughter. And then the daughter's like, I want to be bold and courageous too. I want to ask for the springs. You gave me some land, give me some water to go with it. So he's like, all right, and here you go. And this was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Judah according to their families. Now, I'll skip all the cities here. You're going to read roughly a hundred towns and villages. You're welcome. (laughs) But if you look at the last verse, and then don't rush out because I got got one more thing to do. But at the last verse of chapter 15, as for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. And it will remain in the hands of the Jebusites for 400 more years until David and his general Joab 
will end up taking Jerusalem and defeating the Jebusites. So they don't lay claim to it. That's why David has to spend the first seven and a half years of his reign in Hebron until he can dislodge the Jebusites and then they take over Jerusalem. I want you to go back to chapter 14 for just a moment because I want to focus on the last few minutes on this phrase, Caleb wholly followed the Lord. It's mentioned three times there in chapter 14, verse 8, verse 9, and verse 14. It's mentioned three other times about Caleb in the, between the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy. So six times altogether, the Bible talks about how Caleb was someone who wholly followed the Lord. Some of your translations say, wholeheartedly followed the Lord. And when I think about the example that he sets in that regard, what does it mean to wholly follow the Lord? And there's four quick things I want to share that I think are um, indicative of uh, Caleb's life and the first one is this. It tells us in Numbers 14, 24, a very interesting statement that God makes about Caleb, that both he and Joshua had a different spirit. They had a different spirit. And when I think about that, I think that's in part why he was able to wholly follow the Lord. What do I mean? I believe that if you really want to wholly follow the Lord, wholeheartedly follow the Lord, you have to be willing to be different. You have to be willing to be different. You have to be willing to accept that in wholly following the Lord, you will belong to a minority of people. Caleb and Joshua were only two spies out of 12 who gave a good report when they first spied out the land. Ten of the twelve gave a bad report, and that's why fear spread through the whole Israelite community. Because ten gave a bad report seeing giants in the land and thinking there's no way we can defeat them, and fear and dread spread among the Hebrew people. Only Joshua and Caleb were the two out of the twelve spies who said, no, 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 we can do this. See, they were different. They were different. And in order to really wholly follow the Lord, we have to understand, as Peter would say in 1 Peter 2.11, we are aliens and strangers in this world. Uh, some translations say we're sojourners and pilgrims. Now, we don't belong here. So we should feel different and we should be different. Now, I'm not saying be weird. There's unfortunately some Christians who are just plain weird. And they just seem to like to be weird. I don't mean different weird. I mean different devoted. <laughs> devoted to God. In this sense, if you are more interested in fitting in and being accepted and being liked by people, you will never wholly follow the Lord. If you're more concerned about fitting in and being liked by people, then you will never wholly be able to follow the Lord. There's this different thing about Caleb. He was unlike just the average person. And so should we if we want to be wholly following after the Lord. Another thing that I think stands out about Caleb's life is he believed what God said. He believed what God said. That's one of the reasons why he didn't see any obstacles when he went into the promised land as a spy, because he knew that God was with them. And so if God is for us, then who can be against us? And so he believed what God said. 
And as a result of believing what God said, it tells us in Numbers 13, he gave a little speech to the Hebrew people. It says in Numbers 13, verse 30, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. You have this sense that Caleb was just like, well, if God said it, I believe it. And so that settles it. And Caleb was, you know, just this kind of a guy who took God at his word and believed what God said. In fact, three times in chapter 14, three times between verses 6 and 12, he quotes God. He says, the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said. So he always was taking God at face value and believing what God said. Number three, he lived how God said. Caleb demonstrated uncompromising obedience to God. There is no record, no footnote that Caleb, you know, went AWOL or, you know, he went off the rails and, you know, in the decade of his 70s, he started womanizing and getting drunk. None of that. Now, I'm sure he struggled like everybody else. But there's nothing in the scriptures that indicate to us that he rebelled against God or that he forsook the Lord. In fact, quite the opposite. It tells us that he consistently walked with God and he was faithful to the Lord because he lived how God said. And then the last thing that I think makes him a man who wholly followed the Lord is that he waited for when God said. When. God said. There was a patience and a perseverance about his life that I think is admirable because it tells us there in chapter 14 that he waited 45 years for God to deliver on his promise. 45 years. In fact, he even says there in verse 10 of chapter 14, the Lord kept me alive as he said these 45 years. So he's 40 when he comes out of Egypt as a slave spends another 40 years in the wilderness wandering and five more years fighting, but he knows that God is faithful, so it's just a matter of when. And so he's just going to be patient, and he's going to persevere. He's going to wait upon the Lord, and God delivers in God's time, but God is always faithful to his promises. And I just love how patient Caleb is here for the when of God's promises. It's not just what, it's when. And he is a man who is patient to wait 45 years. So for all these reasons, and probably others, but I think they are good reminders to us. If we want to be men and women who wholly follow after the Lord, we have to be willing to be different in our culture especially. We have to believe what God says. Uh, We have to live how God says. And we have to be patient and wait for when God says, and in that way be wholly devoted to him. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the example of Caleb, a man who was true to you, who wholly followed you. And so we thank you for an example, just a a regular person who had no doubt regular struggles, Uh, But we can also aspire to be men and women who wholly follow after you as well. May we be different. Different in the sense, Lord, that we aren't interested in the acceptance of man, 
but we're interested in your acceptance and approval. We want to please you, Lord. We want to live for you. We want to honor you and obey you, and we want to follow after you. And so we put our faith in you and our trust in you. And we thank you for this time in your word tonight. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the eventful book of Joshua. After years of wandering in the wilderness, the Israelite people would finally get to enter into the Promised Land. What would it be like? What would their future hold? There were so many unknowns that they were entering into, yet God had promised He would bless them. Entering a new season of anything can be a bit daunting and even scary, but there's a reason that God continually reminded Joshua in this book to be strong and courageous. God would be with them, and He's with you too, as you face new challenges and situations. Do you like the message you heard today? Want to listen to more just like it? At cornerstoneconnection.cc, you can listen to additional teachings from this series in Joshua. If you'd like to get in touch with us and ask for prayer about things you're wrestling through or even struggling to be strong and courageous in, feel free to email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. We'd love to pray for you. With that, our time is about up for today, but we look forward to sharing more from the book of Joshua. So come back for more with Pastor Gary here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, you're not alone. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Hope is an open ocean, jump in and you'll find the corner. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.